Hello and welcome to the Health in Europe podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bianchi. We've launched this podcast to bring you the latest on WHA's work in the European region. Our region is broad and diverse. From the mid-Atlantic and stretching as far as the Chinese border, we work with fascinating and driven individuals and groups. This podcast is about hearing their stories and how it might impact your day-to-day life. Five hundred thousand people are killed in the WHO European region as a result of violence and injury each year. That means approximately one person every minute loses their life to violence and injury. While this figure makes up around 5.3% of all deaths, it impacts the young and economically active the most. In fact, half of all deaths in people aged 15 to 29 are the result of violence and injuries. These are just some of the findings highlighted by a new report on violence and injury from WHO's Regional Office for Europe. The term violence and injury might conjure an image of being hurt or attacked by someone. However, it can be far more wide-ranging than that. I spoke with Jonathan Passmore, Programme Manager of Violence and Injury Prevention at WHO's Regional Office for Europe in Copenhagen. I asked what we mean when we talk about violence and injuries. I know it does uh, it does sound rather sinister and uh, and and hidden but another way to look at uh, to look at violence and injuries is intentional and unintentional injuries. Simply put an injury uh, is caused when the body when a human body is exposed to energy or force that is greater to the greater than the levels that it can tolerate. The greater the amount of energy then the more damage that's being done to the human body. The more damage that's being done the more likely that a serious or a fatal outcome will occur. A helpful way to understand this is to think of a person travelling in a car on a motorway. At 100 kilometres per hour, you're moving at 23 metres per second. And then in the event of a crash, the human body comes to a very sudden stop. And so all of the energy of that forward momentum, unless it's being absorbed or redirected uh, uh, elsewhere, uh, most of it is going to be channeled into the human body of the, of the occupants of that vehicle, causing massive physical damage. Violence is another term uh, to describe uh, an intentional uh, injury. More importantly is the intention is that uh, that this is the intentional use of force uh, or power over yourself or over another person. Uh, that force uh, or power it may be threatened or it may be actual. It may result in physical injuries or it's not. Uh, it's all still considered violence. Of course, not all violence and injuries are deadly. But what about incidents that can cause life-changing injuries? For every fatal injury, whether it be intentional or unintentional, there are hundreds of cases that result in non-fatal injuries. Uh, and, and they can range in severity from minor right up to catastrophic and lifelong, like uh, uh, quadriplegia, paraplegia, for example. We don't yet have good data on the, on the full regional burden of non-fatal injuries, but we do have information from the EU countries of the region. And it was estimated that, uh, that uh, each year there's about 1.7 million hospital admissions and more than 3.3 million uh, emergency department visits uh, associated with violence and injury, making it both a major contributor to the health system, uh, sort of the burden of the health system, as well as, the, uh, as, as, well as uh, uh, resulting in enormous Uh, economic uh, losses for society. I've heard that violence and injuries cause every second teenage death. Is that really the case? Um, As you can see in the uh, the life course tables in the country profile of this report, 
violence and injuries are a leading cause of death for um, for every country in the European region, regardless of the economic and development status. So this is not something that is only limited to our low and middle income countries. Uh, importantly, violence and injuries are most impactful in the segment of the population where death is also the rarest. That is, it's in our young and economically active, violence and injury kills half of all those who die aged 15 to 29, a third of those uh, children aged 5 to 15 years and a quarter of all deaths aged, uh, aged 39 to 49 years of age. Violence uh, and injuries are also highly gendered uh, issues uh, and uh, with 68% of deaths occurring in males, the risk of death is actually two and a half times greater uh, in males than it is in, uh, in, in females. So we know that younger people are more affected by violence and injuries. Is this spread evenly across the region? Uh, no, unfortunately there's huge disparity across, uh, across the region. Uh, in 2016 we saw that there was a five-fold difference uh, in, uh, in, in age standardised mortality for all injuries uh, between the countries that have the lowest mortality and the countries that, uh, uh, and the countries that, uh, that, that have the highest. Now generally these, it's, our countries, uh, it's the countries in Eastern Europe as well as in Central Asia, who, uh, Central Asia that have the highest uh, mortality rates here, but at the same time, it's those those countries have shown the greatest progress in reducing uh, violence and injury since 2000. Uh, the burden of injury doesn't mean that, uh, the current burden I should say, of injury doesn't mean that we're not making progress. Uh, importantly, since the year 2000, violence and injury mortality in our region has decreased by more than 30%. Uh, and, uh, and that's in comparison to some very significant increases in other WHO regions. So as a region, WHO, the, the European region is doing extremely well. The issue though is that with such public health, with such economic and social burden still remaining, with, uh, with, uh, as, as is reflected in this, uh, uh, in this uh, more than half a million uh, deaths every year, the priority of countries must be to addressing this unfinished agenda. Uh, especially since there are so many opportunities uh, for scaling up the implementation of strategies that we know will save lives. Uh, and the SDG priorities that have already been agreed to also compel us to act further for violence and injury prevention. So you say in the report that violence and injuries are not accidents. What do you mean by this? The word accident is actually really a misleading word. In the English language, an accident means that something occurs by chance without any apparent or deliberate cause. So in other words, it means, it means, that, uh, it's, it's, it means that we're saying that injuries and violence are not predictable and not preventable. And we know from 50 years of, of, of uh, research and country experience and evidence that that is just not the case when it comes to violence and injury prevention. So by labelling, by, by when we label, why this is important I think is because when we label uh, injuries as accidents, what we're inadvertently saying is that there's nothing that could have been done to stop this, nothing that could have been uh, could have changed this uh, is this outcome. And so that's accepting an outcome that is not necessarily the way it should have been. It also, uh, it also binds, binds our effort for, for further prioritising prevention. Uh, and so uh, it's really important to, uh, to, 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 to not imply that violence and injuries are accidents, rather they are preventable, uh, that require a systematic, a whole of government and a whole of society approach to prevention. So what are we at WHO doing to try and prevent violence and injuries? 
Uh, WHO, we work with a, a wide range of intersectoral partners in government, uh, including health, including transport, police, uh, social, f uh, social affairs, education, just to name a few, uh, a few sectors. And this uh, collaboration, what we're trying to do is to demonstrate the impact of our technical and normative guidance uh, and recommendations in action. Uh, our guidance that we have, the, the catalogue of, 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 uh, of recommendations that we have is extremely comprehensive and covers a whole range of issues including uh, starting with data systems and, and, uh, and, and information, uh, about policies and strategic planning, about legislation and enforcement, uh, about interventions and technical packages, technical prevention packages, uh, which we've also had developed for, uh, for road safety, for violence against children, for violence against women, for drowning prevention. Uh, and incidentally, we have a new technical package coming out this year, uh, coming out this year for falls prevention, which uh, incidentally is actually the, uh, the most, uh, the, the, the type of injury that actually kills the most people in our region. So with that, with that package, we will uh, we will have much more opportunities to engage with member states on falls prevention, which is actually the the area of injuries that's shown the least uh, progress in reduction since the year two thousand. Um, this report, importantly, is talking is is presenting two thousand and sixteen data, which is the most recent information that we have, uh, and. Uh, you know, for, for that time period, it clearly shows that we have opportunities for action in, uh, in, in, in virtually all of our member states. Now, importantly, by the time that, uh, that we get further updated information, we hope later this year we'll have 2018 data uh, to conduct further analysis. We'll hope that, uh, that, it will that it will show that we've continued to make progress in our region in reducing, uh, in reducing uh, violence and injury, saving lives and preventing trauma. Here's what else has been going on around the WHO European region. In the fight against COVID, it's extremely important for the healthcare workers to protect themselves. And personal protective equipment is one way of doing it, a very important way of doing it. As part of the EU-funded Solidarity for Health initiative, WHO European partners have begun delivering COVID-19 supplies to frontline health workers in countries across the WHO European region. This includes Azerbaijan, Georgia, the Republic of Moldova, Ukraine, Armenia and Belarus. WHO's Regional Director for Europe visited Turkey last week. This included the signing of a financial agreement paving the way for the opening of a new WHO office in Istanbul. This will specialise in preparedness for humanitarian and health emergencies. And finally, WHO Europe confirmed that the 70th Regional Committee will take place virtually on the 14th to 15th of September. Stay tuned for updates in the coming weeks. That's all for this edition of Health in Europe. Thanks to Jonathan Passmore for taking part in the interview. If you want to find out more about the new report on violence and injuries, check out our website, euro.who.int. And if you're not already, make sure to follow us on Twitter, at who underscore Europe, Facebook, at who Europe, and Instagram, all lowercase, at who Europe. Thanks to David Barrett for his help in producing this episode. Thanks for listening, and until next time, Stay safe and stay healthy.